Okay, so um, we, I'm just starting with this new training setup or this new training cycle. And yesterday we went to the gym together and I had my first workout and uh, it will have a specific sequence to it. And this is kind of what is going to be the basis of the program that we will be putting out. So maybe just let's talk this through kind of briefly and just uh, generally. So uh, the first thing that maybe we should talk about is that I just took uh, two weeks off of the gym. So it was kind of handy because I was on vacation and... Um, that was the first week of my deconditioning phase and then there was another week that I did after that where like I did no training whatsoever so uh, can we talk about that a little bit like what's the um, rationale behind that and like why is that important uh, well the rationale is simply that as you are training there's something called the repeated bout effect where um, part of the adaptation process is not only building muscle but it's also protecting protecting itself from uh, the actual strain on the tissue the, the, the muscle tissue and um, so, so part of what causes muscle growth to, to stagnate is that this repeated bout effect at some point becomes um, like all the growth processes tend to slow down and, and even stop at some point, uh, even if you add volume. And I mean, there's different studies showing that adding some type of novel stimulus can sort of restart things. But at a certain point, uh, things are just going to slow, slow down to a halt. And so um, what, what has been shown in, in a lot of studies now, and even one recent Norwegian study, is that taking some time off, that's like right in the sweet spot. We tend to use this terminology, sweet spot, a lot. Um, that is long enough for these protective adaptations to, to um, dissipate. They don't go away completely. You can't like reverse 20 years of training with a two-week rest period, obviously. Um, like those protective adaptations. But not a, not uh, so long that you start to lose muscle size. So so the sweet spot tends to be around the ten to fourteen day point, uh, going by experience and, and whatever what research is available. Uh, so at that point, the muscle will initially respond almost like uh, uh, an untrained muscle. So you will almost be like a newbie, but except you have the strength level and the muscle mass of someone that's at your current level of development. So, so that's sort of the, instead of just hammering on with the heavy loading and increasing the volumes or introducing drop sets and, and, and whatever advanced techniques, at some point it's probably better just to take some time off just to, to sort of reset everything and uh, enable you to respond to light loads again. And, and looking at the research we have comparing high loads and, and low loads uh, training, uh, the most effective studies where, where you actually see that, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> where you actually see that high loads and low loads are equally effective tend to be in untrained or people that have rested for a certain period of time. Whereas studies uh, using trained lifters, where they have some training experience and are still training, then you tend to see that heavier loads are more effective than lighter loads. So going back to what we have uh, talked about in previous Q&As and, and, and before, uh, you need to consider the condition of the tissue at the time you apply the load. So just taking a period of rest effectively resensitizes that muscle to load. Cool. So um, so speaking of light loads and heavy loads, so the first uh, training day that uh, we had yesterday, that was, that was my first one after two weeks, and that seemed very, very easy. Um, and basically we just did like one or two sets, um, sometimes only one with like high reps. And um, like what is, what is the purpose behind that? Like... Uh, what is this going to mean for the for the rest of the program and like how is this 
should change, like how this should change uh, as we go forward. Because like uh, someone would start something like this, they would think that this, there is no way that this can work because it just seems way too easy compared to like what you normally would want to get out of a typical training uh, routine. Well, yeah, again, going back to the studies that have actually shown that 30% of one rep max and even 20% if you add occlusion, um, blood flow restriction training, has been shown to be equally effective as 80% loads. So uh, coming from that deload or um, deconditioning period, uh, these loads will be even more effective uh, or actually they will be effective uh, due to actually de deconditioning the muscle. Um, also, you're, you're doing more reps simply because the loads are lighter, but uh, doing those reps and maybe even slowing down the rep tempo and, and avoiding locking out and just keeping constant tension on the muscle and all that stuff uh, to, to uh, kind of seek out the burn uh, just tends to activate the metabolic stress uh, pathway, which is both a separate but also an additive uh, growth pathway. Um, and again, since the tissue is deconditioned, it only requires like one light load set uh, and even two if you just, you know, the, the burn is so uncomfortable that you're actually stopping 10 reps before failure, then you, you know, you, you will sort of feel whether you can do another set or not. At this point, we're not introducing my reps yet because that's sort of a very, um, that's a training method that sort of maximizes the metabolic stimulus and, and also introduces a, a, a larger sort of perturbation, like a, a change in the internal environment of the, of the muscle. So, so we were kind of waiting to introduce that until you have uh, started to sort of accumulate some uh, protective effect of training. So mo a lot of people will most likely feel a little sore after just doing that one set. I know I did. Um, depending on how close to failure you train, now, you don't need to go to absolute failure simply because that will just make it a little harder for you to recover throughout the training cycle. So I, I would prefer to have like cycles of some some workouts being easier <clears throat> and training more submax. And as we get more adapted and, and uh, also as we get into heavier loading, then you can add volume and, and uh, proximity to failure. So, yeah, the, those first few workouts are going to feel very light and easy. Uh, but but I... Th you know, there's definite value in it, and, and at this point, you don't actually need more volume. Like, since since the tissue is, is so responsive to training, doing more sets than just that single set will most likely be too much, and, and, and um, the body will need time to repair that muscle damage before you're actually building muscle. So at this point, you actually need to restrict and limit yourself in order to not induce so much muscle damage, damage that it's going to require more recovery time for, for uh, muscle growth to happen. Right. So the fact that I'm not uh, I'm not feeling particularly sore after this workout yesterday, like I feel sore in my back, but not really in the chest or biceps. That's not a bad sign then. No, not at all. I mean, we shouldn't be seeking out muscle damage, and and I I, I tend to think that if you are sore, then that's sort of a um, um, an indicator that you could have done even less, because the soreness is some you know that's inflammation in in the connective tissue and and the muscle, uh, and that inflammation. Um, and swelling uh, needs to subside uh, before you, you can actually get into the real uh, muscle growth um, sort of uh, mode. Um, so, so you shouldn't be excessively sore, then, then you might consider uh, taking it a little more easy on the next workout for that particular muscle group. Um, but, but that soreness doesn't really tell us much of anything. It's not a good indicator for anything and it's not like 
um, a good proxy for the effectiveness or, or uh, muscle damage even, you know, it's, it's just an indicator that you probably have some muscle damage there. Uh, and um, and again, it just shows that that uh, just a single set close to failure or submax set is sufficient at this point to, to uh, induce that uh, yeah, that state. Um, cool. So, so my reps are not introduced yet. So as the weeks progress now, so um, we just I, we just did like one set or two sets if it were, when it was like really too easy. Uh, so how will like how should this change as the weeks uh, come? Like what will be basically the general focus? Like what is the goal as the week prog weeks progress? What are the? Come on, for real? Okay, whatever. Do we have a cock in the uh, roaster? Cock? What, what is the name of this? That's make, making the rooster, yeah. that sound. But <laughs> yeah, it's part part of. Better to have a cock in the pants than a cock in the garden. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's part of, part of the charm of the video. So what are the primary things that should change as the weeks progress? And um, so we will like decrease reps a little bit, increase load. Like what are the primary things that should change as the training phase uh, progresses? Uh, yeah, the reps will decrease by function of the load uh, increasing. And, and there's going to be like a regular loading increase uh, from week to week and even workout to workout of the same exercises. Um, and... Uh, the MyRups protocol will be introduced during uh, the second week of the actual training. Just simply because at that point the soreness from the first week is subsiding and the muscle is both getting into a growth mode and also um, accumulating the protective effects from training. So, so at this point you can, you can increase the volume um, concurrently with the load increase just, just to sort of maintain the stimulus that, that the muscle is actually adapting to um, a proper stimulus. Um, now, just going to failure and, or really close to failure all the time, and even my reps on their own have a, have a very, um, you know, they can be very exhausting for some people. And, and um, if you're doing my reps on a certain muscle group three times per week in, in some of the programs uh, or some of the suggested splits, then, then some people will actually um, have recovery issues from that. So I would suggest having like uh, two to three sub-maximal workouts where you have more reps in reserve and then on sort of the, uh, the third or fourth workout, um, uh, you would, uh, or whenever you feel like it, you would ju just be going closer to failure. But, but I would usually recommend intentionally having more reps in reserve on some workouts. Now, for those of you who have trained with my reps, you also know that if you train with uh, more reps in reserve, train more submaximally, you can also do higher volumes. So this is the beauty of the auto-regulation aspect. So for instance, if you just pushed yourself to an absolute grinding max failure set and you managed to get 15 reps on, on the activation set, then you might be able to only get three reps and two reps on the subsequent sets. But if you held back and did it sort of sub-maximally and, and maybe you ended up doing 12 or 13 reps at that load, then you might be able to get like four, 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 four or something. So, so you can see while doing the program that, that uh, volume tends to go up uh, within this, this auto regulation concept if you train more submaximally. But volume tends to go down if you train closer to failure. And this is also what we know uh, it will work very well. You know, uh, training closer to failure will limit the volume you can recover from. And by using my reps, it, it will automatically happen. Cool. So uh, what would you recommend for me, for example, in terms of uh, frequency? So I'm probably like an intermediate, like late stage intermediate, like um, 
in some aspects probably advanced. Like if you just look at strength standards on uh, EXRX or something like that, then I'm advanced on, on some lifts, on other lifts, I'm kind of intermediate. So um, for someone like me, what would be the frequency that you would recommend? Because like we talked about maybe having like a tier when you could do full body training three times a week or even four times a week if you're advanced. Um, so like what, what would your suggestion be for someone like myself? Yeah, I'll probably start out doing three, even up to four uh, workouts per week during the light load phase, simply because um, now going by the occlusion studies again, where they're using light loads, they, they have these super high frequencies and, and see pretty dramatic, uh, a pretty dramatic growth response from a super high frequency and volume for that matter. Uh, so, so doing like both like higher volume through added frequency during that part of the cycle is, is fine but you will be increasing the loads very um, regularly. So at some point you're gonna get into the heavier loading. And, and at that point, I think it's better that you switch into lower frequency uh, templates. So the suggestion would be as you switch, like there will be like a sudden switch, like a different phase of the program as you get closer to your 10 RMs and move down or yeah move up into the loads that correspond to your eight to nine rep maxes now this is the loading range where we see uh muscle activation being really high from the very first rep so at this point you don't really need my reps anymore um and and as you get deeper into this heavy heavy training it's going to induce more muscle damage at a given uh, volume as well so at this point, I, I think I would recommend that you lower frequency, and that's going to be part of the template where you will sort of go from three to four full body sessions a week, um, and then introduce splits like an upper lower split, uh, training three to four uh, workouts per week, which will be like a frequency of 1.5 to two times per muscle group per week. Cool. So um, speaking of me, because I'm the center of attention here, so uh, what that would be your recommendation? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, what was I going to ask? Yeah. So, what would be what? What do you think is the goal that I should have in mind now? So, um, being like a late stage intermediate, I'm probably not going to wake up looking like whatever Ronnie Coleman one day or Jeff Nippert or whoever. Um, but probably I can still focus on on getting bigger overall and like getting some size. So we just talked about before this video that. The year before this one, I gained probably a good five kilos of muscle, which is which is a lot of muscle. So like that's whatever, like eleven pounds or something. This past year, I probably gained like two kilos of muscle, which is about five five pounds. I didn't train perfectly, but I trained pretty well for the most part. And um, so probably that means that I'm sort of closing in on my my genetic limit slowly, which is kind of kind of sad because um, obviously I'm not not as huge as I dreamt to be one day when I started lifting a few years ago. But still, like, um, what do you think I should be focusing on um, in terms of muscle building and maybe nutrition for this upcoming year? Uh, well, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, using the nutritional templates and, and the guidelines that we provide uh, with the system, you will sort of just naturally gravitate towards a higher muscle mass. And, and uh, uh, you could most likely also lower your body fat percentage. I would say that's highly likely. So you're... Your body composition is just slowly going to improve, and and um, I wouldn't say you you actually need to consciously um, focus on bulking in that regard. So this is going to be again a central part of the sustainable way that you don't actually have that cut or bulk mindset. Like I need to restrict or I need to uh, overfeed or force feed. Uh, th this is basically just going to happen naturally as you um, like it's it's from. Um, Instead of calculating all the calories you need and the macros and 
and set things up with a surplus on certain days and deficits on certain days or phases for that matter, um, you're just going to create an environment that's conducive to muscle growth. And by uh, em employing the, the principles that we will teach you, uh, the body will demand calories and, and you can probably, um, you, you can probably uh, confirm that you are more hungry today simply because oh, yeah. you had the workout yesterday. Definitely. So, so I, I tend to say that in, um, train in such a way that you make yourself hungry <laughs> and you will automatically and spontaneously eat more to support that muscle growth. And, and during certain days and phases, you will maybe notice that you're not as hungry and you will spontaneously eat less and perhaps, you know, end up uh, leaning out slightly. So it's just going to be like a natural cycle that, that um, follows your physiological like, cues and, and what you're exposing your body to in terms of stress and, and adaptation uh, demands. Cool. So um, just a question on like um, exercise selection. So these workouts, which are going to be in these templates, are going to be fairly short and uh, like not a whole lot of movements typically. But like how much leeway can people get if they want to incorporate some of their favorite movements? So maybe like we will recommend like a couple of major like pulling and pushing movements. But, you know, like someone wants to train their traps or whatever. Like I want to incorporate some app training, for example, or maybe someone is like really concerned that they want to really emphasize the upper pack or something like that. Like, um, how much leeway can people get with that kind of stuff? Well, first of all, if you're smart with your exercise selection, then you don't actually need to add a bunch of isolation work to those uh, parts of the body. Uh, but having said that, there's obviously going to be leeway for adding isolation exercises to like your guns and your calves. But, but once you start getting into like doing uh, forearm flexor and extensor work and, and tibialis work and, glute medius work and, and uh, hip abduction and adduction and whatever else you can think of is, is quickly getting into that Martin Burke and Fakaranditis uh, <laughs> territory. So so there's, you know, you use some common sense there. And, and uh, I'm, I'm fine with just adding isolation work, especially during the lighter load phases where it's just higher ups and, and uh, uh, manager, uh, manageable uh, loading. And um, you generally just have more recovery capacity during that phase to, to add that isolation work. But as you switch and go into the low rep phases and the heavy loading, then I would suggest, strongly suggest that you just skip all of that isolation exercise stuff and just focus on, on the, the big compound movements um, to, to sort of, because um, doing those exercises will already maximize the development you can get in, in pretty much all affected muscle groups anyway. So um, there's no need to keep doing all of that isolation stuff. You You sort of just you know, perhaps benefited slightly from some added volume to specific body parts that you want to, to do, like the, the beach work uh, type of thing or, or the added, uh, uh, like, hip thrust or, or uh, like, glute bridges for the, for the girls or whatever. Um, but again, as you get into the heavier phases, I would just strongly suggest you, you, uh, you were very, like, simplistic and minimalistic in your exercise choices. Gotcha. Um, and final question that just popped into my head is um, because it has like this phasic structure and uh, you do the deconditioning phase and then, then you start very light and then increase the load gradually. Like what happens if, say, someone starts out with a light phase and then after like, let's say, two weeks, they have to, I don't know, they get sick and they can't train or they have to go on, I don't know, um, I don't know, some kind of a travel uh, engagement or, or something like that, and they can get their workouts in for a week. Like, where do where where should we start after that phase? Like, um, go back to the previous phase or just keep going where you left off? Or, or what do you do? 
Well, that's kind of up to you. But I mean, if you took two weeks off, you're basically deconditioned again and you can enjoy getting muscle growth out of the lower volume. So I think at that point, you should just restart the cycle. Um, one week? Well, if it's one week of rest, then you're sort of, you know, you're, you have one week of deconditioning. So what you could do is just go back one week uh, of that training cycle that you where you left off. So just sort of, you know, the same way that, that uh, some programs emphasize you know, if you get sick or uh, whatever happens uh, and you have to take some um, unplanned time off, just back cycle the, the loads and, and go from there and start from there. Make the first couple of workouts slightly lighter and easier uh, and then uh, just, yeah, almost pick up where you left off minus one week, basically. Cool. Yeah, well, I think uh, I asked all the questions I wanted. So, uh, yeah, uh, so this, this was basically the first video of this upcoming training cycle documentation. And uh, yeah, I guess I will keep you guys updated about how it goes. And yeah, as the weeks progress and uh, I will get into the subsequent phases of this training, I will keep doing these little videos alone at that point. But uh, at least now we all had a good opportunity to pick the brain of the man himself. So thanks for taking the time to do this. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. And once again, if you haven't checked it out already, be sure to visit the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group at facebook.com slash sustainable self-development. And if you haven't done it already, visit sustainableselfdevelopment.com to be up to date with everything that we've got going on there. All right, thank you for hanging on up until now and see you in the next episode.